Okay, Revelation chapter 1. Go with me, please. Revelation 1. Now, beginning with verse 1, let me read, then I want to pray, then we'll jump into this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, the testimony of Jesus, and to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear. How many of you are going to be blessed this morning? We're blessed because we're reading it and we're hearing it. The words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. And then verse 4, grace to you, peace. From him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I think we sung a song like that one time. They've made many songs out of the revelation. Behold, he is what? He's coming with clouds, and with every eye will see him. Then they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, even so they will mourn. Amen. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, says the Lord who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, I want to talk about that in verse 3. It says the time is near. And then in verse 7, behold, he's coming. Now John received a message that he was to share three things. The Word of God, the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy and all things that he saw. Okay? So we're seeing things in this hour. We must give witness to these things, and they all flow together. Now, a title came to my mind on Monday morning, early, you know, in those hours before you wake up. When Jesus comes again. That's what I heard. When Jesus comes again. I did not know some of the things that I was going to run into this week that confirmed that God wanted that message preached. There was some about dates that will come, and I didn't know anything about the date. We'll talk about that. But then also when I share this testimony with you from this very humble pastor. But God began to confirm it. So let's pray. Father, we pray this morning for ears to hear. Lord, I really don't have anything to say but what you're saying. I can't do anything but what you're doing. So let me speak the word of God, the testimony of Jesus, and the things that we've seen and heard. God, help us to see. Give us discernment in this hour. Lord, it's obviously serious. You said unless the days were shortened, would even the elect be saved because of the things going on on the earth. And we thank you we're not among those whose hearts will fear We're among those whose hearts will be strong. And we thank you that you're a good God in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, deliver this word that you've given me. Amen. The year, 1248. These are all years. 1306. 1689. 1792. The year, 1836. 
1844, 1914, 1936, 1960, 1974, 1981, 1988, 1989, 1992, 1994, 2011, 2017, and last but not least, April 23, 2018, eight days from now. What do all these dates have in common? People are predicting the end of the age, the end of time, the return of Jesus. Now, according to a a Pew research poll, and this was taken some five years ago, you know, most Christians believe that Jesus would return in their lifetime. More believe that he would than wouldn't. Now, that's five years ago. Today, I would say the it's probably rose. There are even more Christians that believe Jesus will return in their lifetime. Now, the subject of his second coming, there's been a lot. We've got to talk about that stuff. The church should be talking about this. I'm going to tell you why. One thing it's going to happen, but, but here's some observations. You know, first of all, it's always been a great interest. There's always been a lot of speculation. Even, you know, from the beginning with the disciples and the Scripture, what will, remember what they asked him? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so people have wondered. People predicted dates. I remember in 1988 very well. There was a book. We read that book. Jesus, why Jesus must. He didn't give any room for doubt. Why he must return in 1988. And then it came and went. He said, well, why Jesus must return in 1989, the sequel. And then he just kept going. Now we got one coming up a week from tomorrow. And then also another observation among, it's one of the original doctrines of the New Testament church. It's one of the foundations. Now you can have different opinion. doesn't mean you're lost if you have a different opinion. Well, there are many opinions. We'll talk about that. But it is one of those original things, the Apostles' Creed. How many of you used to be Catholic? You know, you know, you spoke that. There's the Nicene Creed, and in that creed it says, And he shall come again to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall be no end, or no, no end. And then, of course, Jesus talked about this. He talked much about the second coming. Then, another observation, although it was not so. That's going to get interesting this morning. You guys good? So you won't leave out until the end. Anybody leaves out, I'll tell you what that means if you leave out. But although it was not so in the early church, today there are many views regarding the timing of these events. In the early church, there was really only one view. I'll share that with you this morning. It came along years and years and years and years later. Now, here's, here's a good thing. If Jesus did not come initially the way his people thought he was coming, how many of you think there's possibly a chance that he may come his second coming that's gonna, in a way that's going to catch people off guard? Maybe, you know, maybe. Just think about it. He came to his own, his own received him not. How tragic it would be in this hour, because he's not coming at, after this, that's it. You don't receive him this time, that's it's not going to be any replays. You know, those who have, and you know, listen to this, I'm, I'm telling you, those who have everything figured out about the second coming, you can figure they don't have everything figured out. I don't care who they are, we have the mind of Christ. And we only see through a glass dimly. Nobody's got the whole loaf. And then another observation, we can become 
more captivated by the Lord that is coming than the coming of the Lord. There are people that are really excited about studying how he comes. And I'm wondering, are they actually focused on him or his coming? Does that make sense? You know how you can tell these folks? It's, an idol it's idolatry. And when they're confronted with a different opinion, they become very proud and they'll shut you off. They don't want to hear anything else. It's become an idol in their heart. But you're not going to heaven with, I I'm telling you, idolatry is big in the sight of God. Some people have an idol of the way he's going to return. Well, it's starting to get interesting. You know, in this shaking that's, well, maybe when I was a young guy, I'd say it's coming. As they used to say back home, this ain't coming. It's here. The shaking is going to get a, a little bit more intense. Even our doctrines are going to be shaken. You should not be shaken. If you're on solid foundation, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Whatever else is going to be shaken to its core. And my prayer is God come and shake it white sooner the better so we'll see the kingdom. Because all this other stuff, man created, man devised, is about to fall off the side of the table. Anyway, well, you don't want to be falling with it. So you got to be humble. Humble and teachable. But there's some things you don't back off on. You know what I mean. And then there's going to be great deception surrounding the subject. Remember the disciples, after, you know, they ask about the sign of your coming. He said, take heed that no man, no one deceive you. How many of you remember that? So there's going to be great deception about these things. And we also know that when he said these things, he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, but also the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Also, God's word is the source. Say, God's word is the source. The revelation of man might be a revelation of God or it might not be. I'm going to stick with the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the highest revelation. And you don't want to be those who add to this or take it away. It's somewhere along the line that tells you it's not a good thing. Your name will be blotted out of the book and things like that. So it's probably not a good idea to want to add revelation to his revelation. But there is revelation. What it is, it's truth that just becomes known. It's like all of a sudden the light comes on. It's like the books are being opened. You know what I'm talking about. So it doesn't mean there's not new revelation. There is. There's a spirit of revelation to see the things that were there all along. It's like seeing him as we've never seen him before. Because that's what the revelation is about anyway. So let's go back to revelation and Remember that scary word, the apocalypse. That's what the Greek word of revelation is. It's the apocalypse. Ooh, scary. The apocalypse. <laughs> you know, they people scared to death. Well, it's the unfolding and the revealing and the uncovering and the unveiling of Jesus. That's not scary to me. That's, what, that's the most exciting news. That's the greatest news there's ever been. It's the revelation of Him. The book of Revelation lifts Him up for all to see. And then in verse 1, though, we need to... This is all foundation. There were, it's what God gave, the revelation that God gave John to show His servants. And that's what we are. You know, the messenger, he gave them the revelation to the messengers to the churches. The angels to the churches. The messengers had to go deliver the message. They couldn't alter the word 
That's really what we are. I'm only a messenger. Does that make sense? This hit me again this week. You're only a messenger. And then I thought about what Bonnie said. You don't want to mess this up. You don't want to get it wrong. You want to do the... You want to just say, thus saith the Lord. I remember in seminary, I remember the day the guy said, when is God going to raise up people again that say, thus saith the Lord? And I remember sitting in class saying, God, let it be. I want to be one of them. Well... We got to move on. Stay with me. Don't go to sleep. I'm not going to let anybody go to sleep this morning. I'm going to yank you out. It ain't going to happen. All right. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Things that must shortly come to pass. What do you mean shortly? This was written 2,000 years ago. Quickly, swiftly. Well, let me give you an example. I, I remember they told us that Josh and Emily were going to grow up very fast. You better enjoy them while you can. You know, they used to tell us that, and yeah, I didn't mean a lot to me. You know, back in those days, I went to baseball games and, you know, dancing recitals and rehearsals and violin and things. And, but I'm telling you, it's gone. Just like they said. Now, I tell people with kids, you better enjoy your kids. They're going to grow up very fast. It's kind of like that. It's going to be a day with the Lord's like a thousand years. Swift. But He is coming. And I'm gonna, he really is. Compared to man's timing. Then verse 2, the word of God and the testimony, the spirit of prophecy. Then in verse 3, we will skip that. He said, no, no, we don't skip it. Bless he that reads and hears and keeps for the time is near. Verse 4, grace and peace. The one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. We need all three in the church today. There are some people that focus only on the historical aspect of the book of Revelation. They're right. There's some people that only focus on the now aspect of the book of Revelation. Guess what? They're right. Then there's some folks that focus on the one that is to come aspect of the Revelation. And guess what? They're right. I've always been the kind of guy. I believe they're all right. They're not all right. But I know who is right. But in that regard, he is. He was and he is. And he is to come. We want all of it. We don't want to leave some of it out. I think when you say it's only historical, you totally, you're going to miss out on so much more, so much more. But also, you don't want to just throw away history. There's a whole bunch of this stuff came to pass, like the temple being destroyed. These things happen, and they're types and shadows, and some of them actually happen. All right, let's go on in verse 4. He talks about the seven spirits of God, the spirit of the Lord, his lordship. We need his lordship. He is Lord. You know what the word Lord means, anybody? Let me just tell you what they told me in Sunday school, and I've never forgotten it. It means boss. He's your boss. You don't argue with your boss. You don't show up late. You just obey because this boss loves you with an everlasting love. There's the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's natural wisdom, but we need the spirit of wisdom in this hour. The wisdom of man is going to be shaken Oh, man, especially the wisdom of religion is going to be shaken. Then there's the counsel of the Holy Spirit. The greatest counselor you'll have is the Holy Spirit. Man may fail you. The Holy Spirit will give you the truth. Then there's the might, the spirit of might, spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We need all of this in today's church. We must have the fear of the Lord. If you have the fear of the Lord, you won't fear the things that are coming on the earth. If you don't fear the Lord, you will fear the things coming on the earth. And they will rob you of your fear of God. I mean, it's just, you're going you're to fear one or the other. 
But the fear of God is wholesome and healthy, and it's what you're made to do. And then in verse 5, he talks about Jesus, so this is a good place to begin. He's a faithful witness. Whatever Jesus tells you is the gospel truth, right? Faithful witness. It's the revelation. He will prove to be great as his faithful. He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? He was resurrected, but guess who else are going to follow in line? All of those who die in the Lord. We're going to get a part, be a part of that ultimate resurrection. And we can see so much about that. Then the ruler over the kings of the earth. What does that mean? Does that mean that the rulers and the presidents and the kings are like puppets? No. They have a, their own will. It means God's rule is greater than all of the rulers. He is the ultimate ruler. And whatever they decree, God's decrees is what's going to last forever. And what's going to come to pass. But men can pass wicked decrees. Wicked leaders. That's why you don't, you don't put wicked men and women in office. How many of you know that? When the wicked are in authority, the people mourn. They groan. But when the righteous rule, and so we know that. But His rule is above all. And then to Him who loved us and freed us, He broke the power of canceled sin. You know that scripture over in Isaiah 1? It says, uh, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they should be as white as snow. I mean, if you remember that. That is absolutely unreasonable. What do you mean, come, let us reason together? Think about it. You know, it's unreasonable. Your sins are like scarlet. They're going to be like white Where's the reason in that? The reason is through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, those sins that are like scarlet, they become white as snow. Boy, I like what Dylan said. I don't know if you said this on purpose or you stumbled across it. No, I believe you said it on purpose. But you know, the scripture says, return to your first love. The first love is God's love. Didn't you say that? I thought, God, how did you give wisdom to Dylan like that? Why didn't you give that to me? No, that was great. That was awesome. And I've been thinking of that, actually. It's the love of God. God began. He loved us first. We've got to be so enveloped in the love of God. You can't even love. How are you going to love without God's love? God is love. And it's love, His love loving through you. That was a great thing. You need to preach more often. It's good stuff. And now you've got to come across with things like that. I like that. But I know also, you know, return to the first love. It, there's a bunch of stuff involved in that as well. But in, he has made us a kingdom of priests. That's in there. And uh, some say kings and priests. It's actually translated in this place, a kingdom of priests who minister to the Lord God Almighty. We are those who minister to him. That We were doing that this morning. You know what I'm talking about. And then to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. One day. Now, he's, he's the ultimate. But before, boy, I like this, what Haley, the, late, the girl that visited us from Fort Mill, she just happens to be here this morning, but she shared about how the Lord told her she wanted to throw her crowns down, remember? And the Lord said, don't throw them down yet. You rule and reign on the earth. You've been given dominion. There'll be a day. There'll be a day. I really, th now I'm telling you, this generation's coming across with stuff that's really making the word come alive. We've got to listen to them. Give them opportunity. But that's good. One day we'll throw our crowns down at his feet. But the main thing about all of this. Behold. Verse 7. He is coming. Now all of this. I'm telling you. This, the title came. I knew nothing about the date. April 23rd. 
2018. I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about this that I'm going to share in a little while. So God confirmed it. So what should we do, the church, in this hour, in this day? What are we going to do? We got to, number one, we got to declare He is coming. We just got to get back to the old-fashioned. I don't. It ain't even old-fashioned. Jesus said it's revelation. Jesus is coming again. It is fact in the Scripture. It's a recurring theme over and over again. It's going to be preached on more and more as the end approaches. You remember the days we used to have revival meetings back when you were a little boy? You remember? Did any of you go to those? They called them revivals. We look back, they were revival meetings. But some of them were revivals because they got a hold of people like me. I was a little boy. We used to have two meetings a day. They were in the morning at 7 o'clock. We would have a little revival meeting. And they gave donuts. And so I looked forward to going to get the donuts. And we would sit there and they were donuts. And uh, then they'd take me to school. But then the evening. But the one thing I look forward to more than anything as a little boy is when they would say, tomorrow night I'm going to preach on the second coming. Something, way, man, I'm telling you, there's a fire that came over me. As a little boy, I wanted to hear. That was my favorite subject of all. You know what I mean? Is anybody else like that? I wanted to know, is he coming again? So God, from a little boy, birthed that in me. And I wanted to hear about it. I wanted to know about it. I wanted to be ready. Acts chapter 1. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And they said, Men of Galilee, why you stand gazing up into heaven? Don't you know this same Jesus, who was taken up from you, shall so come again in like manner? And that's a scripture. So we've got to declare it in this hour. I don't hear it as much anymore. If Jesus preached it, it's good enough. I'm going to preach it. And then not only is he coming, but he's coming suddenly. Suddenly. Unexpectedly. Where's all this stuff of predicting is the day? Look in Matthew chapter 24. Let's go there now. We'll come back, I think, to Revelation. But we're on a journey this morning. Say, I'm on a journey. See, God takes me through these journeys during the week. Then you get to go with me when we get together, there's a purpose. He gives this stuff. He's, this is not something I got out of a filing cabinet. It's not something I dreamt. It's God's Word. He puts messengers in place to speak, thus saith the Lord, to generations. And God's Word will endure forever. The words of men will pass away, but the Word of God will endure forever. I don't know, somebody somewhere along in my ministry, they said, you should preach as if you're preaching the oracles of God. I saw that in the Scripture. And I believe it. I ain't preaching any other thing. My opinions are, they'll amount to nothing, but the Word of God will bear fruit. All right, Matthew 24, verse 25. Okay, say, I'm awake. You better be. All right, verse 25. See, I've told you that Jesus, I've told you beforehand. Look, therefore, if they say, look, he's in the desert, you know, don't go there. Look, he's in the inner rooms. Don't believe it. He's telling us about false Christ, false teachings, false prophets. But then it goes on. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west. How fast is that? How fast? Pretty fast, pretty swift, pretty quick. That's, you know, well, that's what he says. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
and he will come suddenly. Now, I don't know how to get too much in detail in verse 28 or not. You know, I don't know if I can open that can of worms or not, but I'll just tell you a brief little thing about verse 28. Is that okay? Because it's a scripture. It's serious. Jesus said it. We should preach. He said, preach all things I've commanded you. Don't preach your own opinion. Just preach what I, t- what I said. If you just preach what he said, you'd never run out of anything to say. So let's read what he said. For wherever the carcass is. You know what a carcass is? There, there the eagles will be gathered together. So I'm saying, Lord, what in the world does that mean? And uh, there, well, there are three trains of thought. Can I share them with you? First is the eagles that fly over, you know, there's unexpected. They look at their prey. They come down. So Jesus' coming will be suddenly like that. And then also the eagles could be a prophetic picture of what is happening. There are going to be great gatherings in this hour. I even believe the eagles won the Super Bowl. Now, this is my own opinion. That is a prophetic sign of the gathering of the eagles. He's going to gather the tares and throw them in the fire. He's going to gather the saints, the wheat, the eagles, their great gatherings. You know what else it could mean? Look over. Now, I'll just show you this, but I won't go into a lot of detail. You'll have to study it on your own. But did you know there's a couple different suppers that are coming down the pike? There's not only the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me show you another one. The birds of the air are going to have a feast. Can I show you that one? Let's look real quickly. Verse 17. This feast is it's getting ready. All right, verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together. There's a great gathering for the supper of the great God. This is not the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a different supper. That you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sat on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war. It's a time of great war. And then in verse 20, he talks about how this beast deceived all the nations and all those who received the mark. we got to talk about that more as well. But then in verse 21, And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Sounds like to me there's going to be what? I didn't even tell you. You're prophetic. Revelation chapter 19. I didn't tell you. I read all of that for nothing. Revelation 19, 17 to 21. Read it later when you get home. Right before you eat. You know, I'm just, I'm just telling you the Lord has a sense of humor, but he's also serious. Okay, now all this is fitting together. How is that going to be, God? A bunch of dead people on the earth. Okay, this is when it's going to get serious. There's a lot of serious stuff happening right now. You know that, don't you? So we better know what God says about these days so that we'll be on solid foundation. We're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And so we got to know. So here's the third thing. I'm just going to let that lead me into the next thing. In other words, he will come. He'll come unexpectedly. Suddenly, he will also come. All right, now, how many of you love me? I'm going to 
I'm going to throw a stone at a pet idol, a false doctrine. Is that okay? You still love me? Because you can disagree and we'll all go to heaven. All right, this is not saying you must believe, but he will come after a time of great tribulation and trouble and shaking on the earth and not before it. I can show you so many scriptures. So many, so many scriptures. But look at this. Matthew 24, verse 22. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake. Now there are people that give the elect a certain identity. Jesus did. And he said, they're the elect. And you look it up, they're his people. There's a lot of things that were built in that were never meant to be. I'll show you. I'll talk more about that. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Verse 25, see, I've told you beforehand, I've told you all about this stuff so that when it happens, you'll not be shaken. Right? Where's that over in John? I've told you these things beforehand. So when the time comes, you'll not fall away. You'll not be shaken. And then verse 29, immediately after, say after, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not, will not give us light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heaven will be, what? Shaken. Then, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And all the tribes will mourn, and He will come in glory and in the clouds. Now let me just tell you this, as your pastor, most of you already know this, the rapture was never taught in the early church. It was not even anywhere in their conversation Nowhere to be found. It first appeared in the year 1830 by the revelation of a man. Well, there was a girl, a lady named McDonald, who had this revelation. Then, what's his name? John Darby? Was that it? That had this revelation of a secret rapture before the tribulation. You know what Corey Ten Boom said about that? Now, Corey Ten Boom, remember, she was the one that hid the Nazi, or no, no, she hid the Jews from the Nazis during the Holocaust. She said those who preach the rapture are the false prophets in the last days. Now I don't know if I can go that far because I know many people that love God that still hang on to that. So I don't know. But the reason Corey Ten Boom said that is because her own experience. Americans came over and they were telling the Christians in China, you're not going to have to suffer anything. You're not going to, it's not going to be bad. God's going to rapture you. Jesus is coming. He's going to rapture you out, get you out of this mess before anything bad comes. Many of them, their faith were shaken to the core because just the opposite happened to them. And they lived through a great tribulation. And Corey Tim Boom, by personal experience, said they're false prophets. But I can't go that far because... You know, I just believe God's going to straighten things out. You know, in fact, you can just look around. It's like when I was on, you know, they, help me. There was uh, this thing called, uh, you know, what do they call it? Ask the pastor. And they, I go over about once a month and I get on this direct TV program where they ask the pastor things, you know, and. I've always told Shirley, and I think I've told you, I, I bet kids, I bet the millennials at home are recording that. They just can't wait to get home to watch Ask the Pastor. You know what I mean? They, you know, anyway, I don't know who watches it, but we get calls from all over the country. But every single time, every time, there's somebody on the panel, before I get to speak up about, hey, you might have a little trouble in tribulation, they stand up quickly, oh, listen. 
There's coming a great rapture and we're not going to have our heads chopped off. We're not going to go through. We're going to be raptured in the American church. I want to, I look at him. Have you been to China? Have you been to Syria? Have you been to Germany? Have you been? He's very, he hasn't been traveled around very much. I'm telling you, we got to hit that thing. I'm going to hit that thing. Because people, you know, one of the ways the great falling away is going to come is like what happened with Corey in China. She said, many are going to fall away. They think they're going to be vacuumed out. And they've been waiting and predicting and predicting and predicting. And I tell you, God's allowed the predicting to go on so people will see how utterly foolish it's been. And if they just looked in history, this is where you put a little faith in history, it never was taught. You go to countries around the world, they don't even know what you're talking about. They've already lived it. You say, you're not going to suffer tribulation. They say, what are you talking about? Do you know what happened to my child yesterday? You know what I mean. Well, anyway... Let's go on. The shaking is going to shake everything that can be shaken. God is doing it so that we're receiving a kingdom which cannot. As the eagles are gathered, God's going to raise up champions, overcomers, and they're going to be overcomers in the midst of the tribulation to declare the greatness of our God and the true church and them that overcame. You're not going to be overcomers unless you have something to overcome. So anyway... How many of you still love me? Yes. Now this is why. I'm going to show you this. Now this. Why don't you just read what Jesus said, okay? Let's go back and read what Jesus said. All right? Look in verse 37. The, third, the fourth thing. He will coming. His coming will be as the days of Noah. The days of Noah. Now before I read this, do you know what was happening in the days of Noah? They had giants on the earth. The Nephilim. You know, the sons of God came down, angels, and had affairs, relations with the daughters of men, and a corrupt, polluted race of people, giants, were birthed on the earth. And God said it was so wicked, he had to destroy it all. The Nephilim. Now, you want to hear this? This is what I read in a book. i got to get this guy to come speak here. The Coxes introduced me to him. He wrote a book called Floodgates. And I, I may have heard this before, but I, he said that there's a place in northern Israel where the Jews believe that the Nephilim, the giants, were actually thrown into hell through a gate around, around Mount Hermon is where it is. That there's a gate of hell there. And actually, over history, the Romans built an altar there to their false god. They, they believed that was a gate of hell. And that's where the Nephilim are locked in chains, reserved for the day of judgment. You know, those, you can read about this in Genesis, Jude, was it first or second Peter? It's all in there. You can read about it. Do you know what I, this guy said? It sound good to me. I'm going to run with it. I believe it's real. He said that Jesus actually picked that very spot to preach the message when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, right here, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. That's pretty good. Now, if Jesus did that, he's pretty good. That's good thinking. You know what I mean? I mean, wow. I guess that's why he's the son of God. You know what I mean? You talk about a platform to deliver a message. Hey, folks, the gate of hell where the Nephilim are. Right here, open. The, my church, this gate will not prevail. Boy, I'm telling you, 
It may not fire you up, but it does fire me up. Okay, but it's in the days of Noah. Where am I? Verse 37. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now watch this. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took someone away who got taken away. I'll show you. So also, also, the Lord said, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Look at this. This is the example. Okay. Then he goes on. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken. How? By the flood. By the flood. Look at the context. The flood took away the wicked. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. The other left. Who was left in the days of Noah? Noah. Left in the ark. In, for us, it's in Christ. Ah, this is good. That's why the Lord told me to build the ark. We're building an ark so people can get in, find refuge. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what day or hour. It's actually the word is day. Your Lord is coming. And then he goes on and reads a lot more of that. He's coming. In a time of great shaking, but he's coming as in the days of Noah. And we got, I'm gonna have to study up more about this, but I saw somewhere where someone said that they, they actually believe the Nephilim are gonna somehow be on the earth. But I don't know because they're locked in those chains reserved for the day of judgment. So I don't know if I can go there. But will there be wicked people trying to create some kind of a superhuman Race, Yeah, Hitler tried to do that. So there will be others. Listen, we can put nothing past the spirit of Antichrist. He's going to do all kinds of wickedness. And we know about it, but I'm telling you, we're going to know the one who is above all of it. I'm telling you, he's going to reign and rule. He is reigning and ruling. Because his kingdom is not just coming. We know this. His kingdom is right here inside of me. Okay, another thing. He will come at a time only known to the Father. And then in chapter 24, verse 36, you know the scripture. We already read it. But on that day and hour, no one knows. And then down in verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour or what day the Son of Man comes. So the guy that just made that prediction about, you know, April 23rd, a week from tomorrow... I can promise you on the authority of God's Word, all of us, if we have a meeting a week from Tuesday night, we're all going to be at the meeting. Unless you get taken up, you know, in death or something, you know, it's your time, your day, it's your number. Well, I'm trying not to be um, too serious, but I am. I want to be serious. Look at Second Peter. Now look at this. Second Peter, chapter 3. Here's another Thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually wrap it up. Now, how many of you know you could not cover everything about the second coming in one little bitty message? It ain't going to happen. Nobody, if, you, if somebody says they can do that, then um, those guys really have something that we probably should listen to. But I don't think they can do it. Because there's a lot going on in this hour. Say there's a lot going on. And I'm, there it is, Second Peter, I found it. Another reason about the second coming, listen, he's delayed his coming 
for one purpose. What is it? So that, now I'm going to show you. Look at this. Beloved, verse 1 of chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 1, Beloved, I write to you, stir up your remember that you be mindful of the words which I spoke, of the commandments, the apostles, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, mockers, walking according to their own lust, and say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. For this they willfully forget by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. What is that referring to? The days of Noah. The days of Noah. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved after Noah's day, now this day, by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. What does it say? He is what? Long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. This is, now, if we know God's will, and we don't do God's will, we are all men most foolish. This is God's will that none should perish. So what should we be doing? Sharing with everybody we come in. I'm telling you, I don't know. We just need to be going for it right now. I believe God, all my heart is saying, go to the highways and byways. There are folks that have been invited, but they had excuses, and God passed them. He said, okay, that's it. Your excuses, that's it. I'm not saying God gives up. There are prodigals coming back, all that. I'm just thinking about the Scripture and the context. That's part of the story. He says, now go to the highways and byways and compel them to come in, that my house will be full. You say, well, we're not there, there yet. Well, maybe. But how do you know we're not there yet? And when I share with you at the end what's coming, you'll think we're probably a little bit closer. And then the next, so anyway, he's delayed his coming so that none should perish. Shirley was reading a book the other day, this, I forget, Heaven Visitation angels of humility and how they pray for people all over the world that God would give them a chance to repent before they die. Is that it? Basically. Every day they pray. And Shirley often prays that before she read that book. Or maybe that's where you got the idea. But as long as someone's breathing, they have opportunity. Let's just pray. God, have mercy. God, have mercy. And He will. And He is. Now the whole thing about this is that it's coming quickly. Right? Along with Jim Simbala, who we pray God help him, his son, in this horrific suicide. Stuff going on like crazy right now. But it's going to get crazier. But we're going to become more peaceful, more restful. There's a rest that remains for the people of God. Even especially in these last days. The rest will be defined in the midst of turmoil. What kind of rest is, is it if there's nothing happening for you to need the rest? The rest is made perfect. It's defined when everything else is being turned upside down. So anyway, we do pray for Jim and his family. But there's another man I met, and I told you, he's a hero in my book. This man, if, he's a hero. 
He had a stroke, but he had a, he's a hero in my book. And he has a testimony. Can we play his testimony of this pastor? And hopefully we'll get it loud enough and it'll be clear. I hope it's clear. We haven't, I haven't heard it on this. But you've got to hear this man's testimony of what he saw. He saw the angel Gabriel. Before we do it, he told me. Weeks before, he said, you got to come see me, Pastor David. you got to come see me. i got to tell you something. God has shown me something. And then I didn't get there until after we came back from the Dominican Republic. And then he had the stroke. So I wasn't sure if I could make it. He said, you come. So he walks in his walker into the sanctuary and shows me where this takes place. Go ahead. I am Pastor John Johnson from Old Fort, North Carolina of Expect a Miracle Ministry and I have had a special miracle that has happened in my life that has touched the lives of many every time I tell this divine encounter. About two years ago I get, get up every morning to go to the sanctuary and pray and I went down there this one morning and when I did, I turned the light on and I always wipe the sleepy out of my eyes because I'm sleepy when I go into the sanctuary to pray that early. Well, this morning, when I had walked in there, I was wiping the sleepy out of my eyes and I looked down towards the altar where, where I pray. And I seen a man standing in what appeared to be a white jumpsuit with a gold sash around him. And he had a breastplate on his around his neck and it looked like the 12 stones of Israel the 12 tribes of Israel the stones that represented the tribes but they were lighting up in different areas of the breastplate so I knew I was looking at something divine I walked down to the altar and the angel told me to lay down on the stage on my back and when I did he bent down over me about four inches away from my face and he began to blow from one side of my face back to the other. I could literally feel the wind of his breath blowing into my body from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. As I was looking right above his head, the ceiling gave way and when it did, there were thousands upon thousands of what looked like little musical notes floating down from the ceiling, ceiling that had apparently opened. And as they got closer to where I could see them, they weren't musical notes. They were scriptures. This angel told me he was the angel Gabriel, and he was literally blowing the word of God into me. And when he was done, he motioned for me to get up off the stage. And as I did, he told me, he said, he calls him Father. He said, Father said to tell the children and tell the church to warn the church. No more cliques, no more clubs. It's time to get your house in order. Never has there been so ex much excitement in heaven, the angel told me. We don't know when Christ is coming back, but we know it soon. Because never has there been so much excitement in heaven. And he warned again for the church to get in order. Because time is at hand. And as quick as he was there, he was gone. Amen. 
And then the last point of this message in Matthew 24. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. In verse 43 and verse 44, he just talks about he, he will come at an hour, which you do not expect. And uh, those two verses, let me just read them. He says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken in two. He would have had his house in order. And therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect it. Amen? And so, Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you that you confirmed it. When I heard Monday morning, when Jesus comes again in my spirit, and then meeting this pastor, and then hearing the predictions, and Lord, seeing what's happening in the world, all these things. Lord, I thank you. There's, there's a great time that we're to be being about your will, and we thank you. You're equipping us. But God, help us to be in order, our house in order, our hearts ready for your coming. Lord, that's what you said. You said you're coming when you least expect it. And so we thank you for this truth that you taught, and we believe you, Lord. And we want to be among those that are ready, but we want to be occupying until you come. We want to be running the race, doing the will of the Father, of which we know has a lot to do with a great harvest of souls. And so, Lord, we thank you that your heart is for the lost. Your heart is for those who need a physician. God, we give ourselves afresh to you. To be used in this hour. And however you choose. Well, we thank you. We're not anxious to leave. We're anxious to do the will of the Father. But at times it would be anxious. It'd be okay to leave too. If you know what I'm talking about. You know. I've told Shirley. I said, well, I wish. Sometimes I wish those guys were right. Get to get out of here quicker. I don't like pain. I don't know anybody else that does. But pain is a good thing. You can't have a baby unless you have some pain. You know what I mean? Birth pains, they're part of the process, and then the birth. So it's okay. It's okay. Well, the way to wrap this up is if there's anybody in this room, you have never met Jesus first. We're going to pray for people around the altar. But if you've never met Jesus, and you don't know if today was your last day on the earth, that you would spend eternity in heaven, or if you're watching on the web stream, this is the day of salvation. This is the day you've been waiting for. And you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. God will not always strive with man. Now, in the context of that, it was when the Nephilim were on the earth, the giants. That's where that scripture actually says. But what it also means is the Holy Spirit, you know, doesn't always prod and convict. If you continue to resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you... It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, but you're not as sensitive. You don't hear. You don't, you don't know that you're being drawn. You cannot come to Him just because you want to. You come when you're drawn by the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen. So we're going to believe. I'm getting ready for the harvest, okay? There's going to be a day. There's going to be, I'm telling you, we're going to have to squeeze them in. God's going to see to it that the houses are full. The church houses again in America. Very soon. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's God. I'll let him figure it out. But in the meantime, if you're here without Jesus 
and you're not sure, or you've fallen away, you're not with you where you used to be. You want to be close to Him. You want to be on fire. If you're lukewarm, that's a dangerous place to be in this hour. It is the most dangerous. Because you think you're warm and you're lukewarm. And Jesus said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. This is the most dangerous place to be. So right now, you, if you want to know Him, or you, you know Him, but you're not where you used to be, I want you to stand where you are. Just stand. We're going to pray. And the people that are watching, you stand by your, your web stream. You, you know, but anybody, you just want to give the opportunity. Anybody. We're going to pray for the people on the web stream. Is that okay? Can we do that? Because we've had people saved. You guys are visiting. There was a guy watching from Kenya, got saved, watching the web stream. Then he started a church. Now he's leading pastors. And I'm going to see him one day. But anyway, that's pretty awesome. So let's just pray for people. Father, in the name, you pray it out loud. Say, say dear God. I believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of God, that He died and He rose from the dead. And I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need salvation. And now I put my trust in You, and I ask You to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me whiter than snow. And by faith I make You the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you. I repent from all of my sin. I turn. I forsake sin. And I choose to follow you, Jesus. Now I thank you that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe in my heart and I've confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the power of God that I could live for you and do your will. Be an eagle. Be a champion for you, Jesus, in this last hour. Thank you, God. Thank you for the anointing, for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that this is the greatest hour on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.